0: So, welcome to Future Fit Founder Podcast. I'm delighted to have as our guest today Howie Hsu. He was the founder of Trustpath, which he sold to Zscaler, which has subsequently grown from one to six thousand employees. And he's also a guest lecturer in product market fit at Stanford University Graduate Business School. So welcome, Howie. Thank you for having me on the show. So, life is good now. But which moment are we going back to in my coaching time machine?
1: I can think of a moment that uh, that's a few startups ago. I was the founding VP of engineer um, of a startup. And uh, at the time, you know, I had a a pretty different, just to say the least, view on the strategy and then the direction of the company with uh,
0: my founder CEO. Amazing. This 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 should be interesting so we're going back to this moment it sounds like you've you've got you've got a very different view with your
1: ceo well just on the tech for a second right you know my ceo is a brilliant guy you know um and i respect him a lot right he has accomplished a lot you know both on the academic and also on the, as an entrepreneur Uh, But, you know, for the company at that time, we were kind of uh, discussing and uh, debating internally, hey, should we go open source or not open source, right? And uh, sure, open source has a lot of pros and cons, and then not going open source has its own disadvantage at the time, given the competitive landscape right? But it's more than just the open source or not, right? You know, it's actually, do we have the right DNA, right? What does that mean to the engineering team, right? You know, certain people, you know, are more motivated. Some people are less motivated. How do we handle the people aspect, right? Mm. And what is the business model, right? You know, are we going to make a lot of money or this is a marketing tool, right? So what are we getting out of it? So there are way more than just the technical versus a business, right? How does that play out then? So... So, I think the question is you know how do we go about it right? I think it was the hindsight right you know i could have, you know uh, I think I was able to handle it, but i I could have handled it even better or a lot better, for instance, right you know just identifying hey you know um mr c e o you and I have a very different view here's the difference right. In a more proactive way, right? You know, hey, instead of hey, we have different view, let it play out a little bit, right? Because you know, as a startup, you cannot afford to have, <laughs> um, you know, people have different view, right? So, so the the, the founding team, uh, the key executives always always have the same view is important now having same view doesn't mean you know you and i have same view in a way but but we have to converge the view right you know um, disagree and I commit and then disagree and I commit in the in the in the truthful way you know the only advantage you have uh, as a startup is people have the same view and then you attack something you know together right because otherwise you know you are going to lose out to big companies anyways if mm. if you a number of people kind of number of resources, right? the only reason a startup can be successful is you kind of are believing something other people don't believe in, but in the very united and in the very converged and then more importantly in a very coherent way among this team
0: mm, a so really nice what we're looking at' it's just saying like a startup, it's it's not it's not funded as well as an established business, it doesn't have the same resources, it doesn't have the same team size, but what it does have. To what, what it ha- has, its advantages that smaller piece of team. And what you're saying is in this moment, you just didn't, you didn't even have that advantage.
1: If a staff n- needs to be successful, you have to have it, right? I was giving you a scenario that for a company at a particular moment, right? You know, we didn't have enough of that. You know, with all the hindsight we could be, we could have be been more coherent more converged right you know we would be you know more dangerous to our competitors. <laughs> Right, that that's one way to look at it. I mean, even today, I mean, we all know Chat GPT, right? Everyone is asking the question, "Hey, how come a company called OpenAI is able to do it, but Google, right, published you know 10x, 100x of the you know paper in this area didn't do it, right? You know, mm-hmm. the only way, the only reason. I mean, there are lots of reasons, but the, the but the fundamental fundamental reason is Open AI mm-hmm. believes in something, and then they you know 100, 200." People just you know go for went for a single direction, right?
0: I mean, you're 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 a you're a guest lecturer in product market fit. Do do you think that that beats product market fit? That team connection, single belief.
1: There are more than that, actually. You know what? I, the example I give to you is, you know, very fundamental to a team to be successful. Like I, like I emphasized, it's not a unique to startup, right? A Z scaler. We have six thousand people, right? You know, we have a founder CEO, Jay Chaudhry, right? You know, everyone listen to him. He points to the direction people follow, right? That's kind of very important, right? It's not like six thousand people going off different directions. I was simply saying that for a startup, this is a kind of a, you know, even more obvious why this has to be the case. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, you ask the, hey, how is that related to product market fit? Right. Um, it's, a, it's a different angle. Right. The first one is about how you kind of a, uh, have a coherent team. But the second thing is, once you have a coherent team, what do you do, right? You know, product market fit to me is kind of a almost a, uh, a milestone, right? Before product market fit, what kind of behavior do you have? Do you need to have? What kind of work do you need to do? Um, and after product market fit, you do something different, you know, more specific, right? Before the product market fit, you are trying out, right? You, you actually have certain assumptions. People would love to buy your product, but that's assumption. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, a, a fact, right? It's a hypothesis. Um, and uh, how to turn, uh, f- you know, a hypothesis into a fact? It takes a lot of the hard work, right? You try different things, you, you know, product iterations, you know, market segmentation iterations, right? But once you figure you fig out, hey, this is a product market fit, right? At that point, it's a scaling, right? Because you hire, you know. As many as salespeople, you can afford to, right, you know, have the right, you know, training materials, right? Have the, you know, a machine that's going to uh, multiply this, right? It's two different things. So so when I think about product market fit, it's kind of a before, you know, a company needs to have certain behavior. And then after that, it's, you know, the company will have a different behavior. Now, that being said, this is applicable even to a big company like Z-Scale or even, you know, a much larger company like Google. Uh, Why is that? Because, you know, you you may have a product that reached the product market fit, um, but for another product, second product or third product, that's not yet right and then you know your behavior will be will be different and then that's actually a very interesting part because then you are saying that hey within the company i'm just making up for a second you have 200 people right you know 100 people working on something that already has a product market fit that's about scaling the other 100 people is about still exploring well guess what right you know it's easier said than done because they all, you all live under the same roof right <laughs> and how to have a coherent team at that point is actually more difficult um, so, mm. so so my, 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 my point about the direction right you know um, the the founding team, the key executives need to have the same coherent strategy when we disagree something, we need to identify hey there is a subtle difference let's actually let's debate, discuss, you know maybe you know even pound on the table, but when we get out of the room, we have a very coherent view. When you have one product, right, or initial product, that's easier, right? When you have five products, or in the case of Google, I don't know how many, right, you have a coherent view. That's very, very difficult. That's one of the reasons why Google didn't have the chat GPT (laughs) yet. Mm. Um, So so that's kind of a,
0: yep. But so what it sounds like is that if we accept that the race to product market fit is what every new business is, is driving towards... If you've got your two key people who are not aligned about the vision or how it's done, it's going to be very hard to test one hypothesis and get everyone together because the company's going to be back, going backwards and forwards between two. So it's going to be getting the Google problem of multiple tests, but with the with the resources of a startup which which needs to focus on one to survive.
1: Yes, yes. It's easy said than done because, you know, at a a hand-waving level, right, everyone has the same opinion. I'm sorry, you know, every company seems to have the converged view, right? For instance, right, you go to Google, Facebook, you know. No one want to tell you, hey, our executive teams have different view, right? You know, we we are AI first, right? We are kind of a, um, you know, the you know, in the case of Facebook, right, uh, metasphere, right, metaverse. So so we are all on the same page. But but the, but but the key thing is actually at the next level, next next level, oftentimes there are sufficient uh, discrepancy among key
0: executives. And how do you proactively approach that? Mm. So let's so let's say in this specific example, we're going back to this moment. What are some of the behaviors or ex- things that you would see that would indicate that there is a fundamental problem that needs to be worked on?
1: Yeah, this is actually with a lot of the you know hindsight, and then also you know I I don't think I kind of realized that necessary in the moment, but with a lot of the hindsight or with a lot of the reflections. I think one key thing is the contextual thought or contextual behavior. What does that mean, right? Because, you know, you and I have this conversation, you know, you have a calm voice, you're kind of, a, you know, being thoughtful, you know, when we, you and I have different opinion, you know, it sounds like, you know, at least on the surface, uh, you're not like a pony on the table, right? You know, you're kind of, a, hey, how are you? you, know, wh- wh- but, you know, the, the key thing is uh, for different people, you need to do things differently. What what I what I meant by that is, some people, right? You you have a calm voice, you just say one thing, the person will say, oh, you know, that's what how I meant. They take it, right? There are other people who you wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to you, they wouldn't even hear your voice unless you actually pound on the table, literally. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean the person, you know, is has less and then more listening skill, not necessary right? People are sensitive to different things, right? You know, you need to figure out, hey, in order for me, my language to resonate with the CEO, with the VP, with my peer, with people reporting to me, what language, what behavior do you need to have in order to resonate with the person? The reason I'm saying that is, you know, I remember, you know, um, Mm my CEO and I have had a different view and I you know later on you know probably 2 months later or whatnot I had a conversation with one of my board members right you know I was saying hey you know obviously I have I, I thought about this very differently, and he was looking at me, he said, Howie, right, you know, I don't think, <laughs> you know, uh, your CEO really heard it. I said, what do you mean? I, I said it five times or ten times, right, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he said, no, 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 different people would have take it very differently, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I said, and I realized that, yeah, you know, as much as I said in the e-staff meeting or whatnot, you know, again, when I say pounding, pounding on the table, I, I didn't really mean that literally, right? I just meant that you have to have a certain way of communication. Uh, you can't assume that, hey, you know, I sent an email telling Joe and John, right? You know, I view it differently. Here's what, I mean, different people just to, to want to take the same email, same words very, very differently. So you have to be very, very thoughtful in coming mm-hmm. up with how you disagree
0: with people. So it sounds like, if you are going to disagree fundamentally, sometimes you need to be very clear that you are disagreeing fundamentally. And then, and then what language
1: awesome. do you use, right? You know, some people don't even take strong language. Some people wouldn't take you know language until it's very strong, right? And you have to figure you have to be thoughtful in you know
0: um, on this topic. I think we spend a lot of time thinking about how we can communicate thoughtfully. Yeah, and often that means more gently. But I think if I, if I correctly, you're saying sometimes we actually need to dial it up and communicate more forcefully. Dialing up,
1: dialing down, right? Depending on that it's just, this is what I meant by contextual. Maybe you know that the the word that you, you, you helped me to come up with is the phrase, right? Contextual dialing up and, or dialing down
0: kind of things. Yes, exactly. Mm. Okay, so that's kind of step realisation one with sort of reflection. What is something else that you've you see looking back in that moment that you would do differently or, or, or flag for the future?
1: Right. I think, you know, having that coherent team, right, you know, via this contextual <laughs> communication skills, right, that's kind mm. of the one thing. And then we also talked about, you know, product market fit, right? And then when it comes to product market fit or not, right, oftentimes key challenge of product market fit is actually mental. The reason I said it's mental is if you ask uh, 99% of the founders out there, they all they are all optimistic, bullish about their idea and their um, product, right? You know, not 99% of people would say I already reached the product market fit, but 99% of people would think their product is closer to the product market fit than the reality is. <laughs> that's you know mm. that's that's kind of true, um, maybe 100%. <laughs> um, and um, and uh, given that, what do you do, right? You know, you have to be intellectually honest with yourself. Uh, you, you need to have the intellectual honesty. When customer telling you that, hey, I love your product, you have to step back, right? You know, wh- why would a customer not say, I don't, I, I, <laughs> I love your product? Because, you know, they're in a meeting with you. They are nice with you. That doesn't mean they're going to pony up money, budget tomorrow to buy your product, right? So, mm. and uh, when they say, hey, I'm going to buy your product, you need to figure out when, right? You know, of course, you know, is it now or three months later or three years from now, right? If it's now, where's the budget line, right? Because the budget, his budget was settled half a year ago, a year ago, and suddenly you want him to pay for, you know, 200K, which line of the budget does it come from, right? So it's a lot of time when you double click, triple click, you realize, you know, what people say, you know, on the surface is kind of away from the reality, right? Not, Not because they're evil, it's just human nature for those kind of their conversations. So we kind of uh, need to have the intellectual honesty uh, to figure out uh, what's going on.
0: Okay, so we've got contextual communication, we've got intellectual honesty. And from what I said before, it felt like there was something around understanding different persons' perspectives and how you can both be right in that situation.
1: Yeah, I think you know, even before the contextual dialing up, down the communication and also intellectual honesty. You, I think that, that, that there is also a, a kind of a mental state you need to be in. You need to have the courage to admit you are vulnerable and admit you, there, there are differences you know, because human beings, I mean, not everyone, but most of the human beings, they try to avoid a conflict, right? They try to be more optimistic because, you know, they heard, you know, uh, I hear what I wanted to hear, right? So you need to have the courage to, to sort of be in the mental state that, hey, you know, when there are different opinions, I need to have the courage to to identify that, proactively address that. Uh, get out of my comfort zone right rather than you know as long as people are not kind of yelling at you just to, you know you go one direction another person go off maybe not vastly different but you know even slightly different direction that can be you know suboptimal uh, for the team right so
0: and so then when you started trust path, do you feel that those let you carry those lessons with you
1: I'm pretty sure that I made a lots of mistakes still on those fronts and I will continue to make for the next 10 years, right? But at a minimum, I think I'm more aware of uh, those kind of issues than before. because you know, the example I give to you, it was a real example, right? You know, I started, you know, hey, hey, you know, Mr. CEO, right, you know, we have different view on this and then we, sh- you know, I think we should go X and here are the four reasons and or five reasons from my point of view it was so loud and clear right <laughs> you know four times five times and then not until the board member told me that hey Howie, you know did you pound at the table right if not why do you think um, the, the 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 recipient actually you know got it right did you get a acknowledge that acknowledgement that you know he got it, the idea right at that point i realized wow you know he's right <laughs> I I don't, I don't think, you know, uh, again, nothing is a black and a white, right? But I don't think the person got nearly, you know, as much as I, I thought, you know, or I hoped <laughs> the person would have got, right? Not to say my opinion is right. My opinion oftentimes is not right. But however, you know, to start with, you have to present your idea in the full fashion. When I say full fashion, how much conviction you do, do you have on it, right? Do you really believe this is a do or die situation? If we do X or not do X, right? That needs to be presented fully, right? I don't think, you know, I did a sufficient job myself. Um, you know, this is not to uh, not to discuss whether my idea is good or bad. It's about the way, uh, how much I even surface the difference. So I realized, you know, this was like two months after that that, that happened. And I talked to a board member and I was like, Wow, you know, I didn't think about it, but you are right. You know, uh, the fact I didn't pound the table that means you know, fifty percent of
0: information was lost already. But mm. Mm. this isn't really what we we've, we we prep for. But I'm just quite curious on your thoughts around this recent letter around ChatGPT and AI and this idea of pausing. That feels like it sort of connects this intellectual honesty, like taking a moment to really, really look at. Where we are and go is it do we need to pause is it dangerous or not what's your what's your view
1: yeah you know we can talk about open AI um, large language model generative AI for hours and hours this is some, a topic I'm super passionate and uh, you know the at the end of the day AI is a tool and uh, the tool can do a lot of the benefits for us humans, right, professionals, but can also cause damages, right? It's like, for instance, iPhone, right, you know, or PC, right, you know, um, it, it, it increased our productivities tremendously over the last few decades. But you can also argue that phone or PC, right, you know, hurt You know, the youth, you know, playing games or doing X and doing Y. There are a lot of the, you know, to certain people, it's tremendous damage, right? You know, depending on who who you're talking about. I think AI is the same thing. Um, I'm a, a, I actually wrote up in the, uh, on the LinkedIn blog yesterday. I'm a forever optimist, uh, such that I believe that new technology is going to do a lot of benefit uh, for human mankind Uh, as a result Uh, I'm a big believer and I'm a big advocate of it. So at the same time, I totally see this technology, uh, OpenAI, ChatGPT, Generative AI, um, are potentially having um, certain, uh, what do you call it, uh, less effective or less constructive (laughs) uh, value to humans, to professionals or to... uh, to a lot of people, and uh, we need to be very careful, right? So responsible AI is very important. So let me give you one example in the case of the um, cybersecurity world, right? So bad guys now can leverage ChatGPT to come up with a phishing email, target phishing email a lot easier, right? You know, in in general, you can. Do some phishing email, people wouldn't click because, you know, this is look ridiculous. The email looks ri- ridiculous, right? However, you can have ChatGPT write a very, very uh, interesting email, right? Knowing a lot of the nuances that you will say, oh, this email must be written by, <laughs> you know, the real James, right? Because you know, how how otherwise, you know, he gave me this level of details, right? And you will be very impressed. It's easier for you to click a link. Right. So, so those kind of technology can be leveraged by the bad guys. And then we, our life is more miserable, right? You click a a phishing email, your, I don't know, your user credential is leaked out. You know, you have to call the credit card company all day long. Hey, you know, I got, you know, uh, my, my identity got sort of the uh, leaked or the compromised or whatnot. Right. So, so there is a lot of the potential damages, no question about it, right? There is more than that, way more than that. I'm just giving you an example uh, in the cybersecurity world, right? And um, But just because that, you know, we should pause and we should forget about it, I don't necessarily think so, right? Just like PC, iPhone, um, do you want to pause the development of it? I don't know, right? Um, but on the other hand, should we uh, put a lot more Emphasis on the responsible AI, so that we kind of uh, put a more guardrail on how the technology can be leveraged. We're never going to be, you know, bulletproof in, you know, guardrail, you know, putting the guardrail on it. But do the do our best uh, so that minimize the damage. I think this is absolutely important. Uh, I think it's even beyond the industry. Uh, This is actually a global thing. It may be a government thing. It may be a standard body thing. It's more than just one company called Google or OpenAI thing or Tesla or whatnot, right? Uh, So I think it's, it's kind of a very good initiative for people to have the awareness that responsible AI is important. But at the same time, I'm not a big believer that, you know, um slowing down the technology for you know because you know we feel like it can be dangerous there is another thing i mean it's not very pra- pragmatic to even <laughs> to, i mean you can get you can get uh, fire everyone at open AI right but that's the in the in the extreme case but so what does that mean on the planet and no one else is going to do the large language model research and
0: um training I don't think so so well hi that has been it's been a pleasure to take take advantage of all your knowledge around sort of these very different areas like product market fit the wealth of experience of startups and your ai machine learning to give us quite a nuanced view of how it all fits together so thank you very much thank you james for inviting me you know it gave me a chance to you know talk
1: about exciting technology uh open ai generative ai on this show i didn't expect that either right so thank you for giving me a chance
0: my pleasure As you heard today, coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore. If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast, or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.